Good evening, everybody, and welcome to yet another V Brown Bag US. Um, tonight, we are going to continue on with our um, two-month-long study in the uh, AWS Solutions Architect Certification Study Plan. For all of those of you out there that are wanting to sit and pass the AWS SA Associate Examination. Um, this evening, we're going to be going over Domain 2, Implement and Deploy. We have with us the illustrious and impeccably dressed Brian Krausen of AHEAD. A um, couple of housekeeping notes before we get started. Um, get in on the conversation. I will be monitoring the Twitters and the, the uh, question and Q&A forums within the webinar. Um, if you at vbrownbag or hashtag vbrownbag, I'll be paying attention. Like I said previously, our guest this evening is Mr. Brian Krausen. He is at IT Diversified, and this is a really good website for all of your Amazon and other needs. My name is Chris Williams. I'm Mistwire. And uh, Mr. Krausen, are you there? Yes, I am here. Awesome. Let me make you the presenter. Yes, I'm sure. And you have the, you have right. the helm, sir. All right. You guys see my screen okay? Not yet. Uh, yeah, there we go. Now it's up. Okay, wonderful. All right. So first of all, thank you, uh, thank you for uh, having me on tonight, and uh, thank you guys for doing the, uh, you know, kind of migrating over to the AWS side. I know, um, you know, just from the community and all that, you know, it's become a quite a popular topic here, and so I think it's kind of a, a timely series, um, you know, for uh, for being brown bags. So um, yeah. So for that. Um, kind of get started here, you know, as uh, you said, I'm kind of doing domain two tonight. Um, so, come on, what's going on here? All right, there we go. All right, so um, I don't want to focus too much on this. Obviously, you can look at it afterwards. Um, but kind of, you know, kind of got started in AWS back in 2011, I say involuntarily. You know, it was uh, kind of the age old, the developers took a credit card, swiped it, started putting out some websites out there, and uh, eventually, there's enough out there to uh, warrant the security team to um, force our the infrastructure team to take that over. So, kind of uh, kind of get started back in 2011. Been kind of on and off since then, and you know the last year or so, kind of putting a lot more focus on it. Um, you know, a technical architect at ahead, and also kind of a member of the, one of the Amazon um, Workspaces team, uh, virtual teams here at ahead. So, kind of focusing um, on that solution. Uh, kind of the bottom, you know, I have taken past all three the associate level certs um, earlier this year. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, and I have I'm currently studying for the the cert um, certified solutions architect pro. So I scheduled that just uh, I think two nights ago. So I'm going to try to take that at a reinvent when I go out there in November. So that should be should be interesting. Um, so kind of a recap, you know, kind of where we're at. So this is kind of the blueprint. Um, you know, obviously the check marks, the ones of the V brown bags that we've already done. Uh, next week, one of my colleagues, Zach, is going to be working on the troubleshooting one. And, uh, you know, obviously we're at domain two right in the middle there. So um, luckily, um, you know, kind of left is a breakout of, you know, what uh, each each part represents on the exam. So. Luckily for you guys, if I'm terrible tonight, I'm only uh, taking up 10% of what you have to know for the exam. So, <laughs> um, so here's kind of a, a quick breakout of the uh, the blueprint domain two here. Uh, it's really about implementation and deployment, which 
I find kind of interesting because this is more of a solutions architect exam. And uh, so it doesn't necessarily focus a lot on actually implementation, but uh, you know, some of the, the content we'll go over tonight is still you know, pretty critical for, to know for the exam. So, um, so kind, of, kind of kick off here. Um, one of the first subjects, you know, configure an Amazon machine image, and, or what a lot of people will uh, um, call just an AMI, AMI here. So, so what is an AMI really? It's a, what you VMware guys would call a template. Um, so really, an AMI, you know, contains you know template for the root volume, like it would on a VMware side. Obviously, you know that can contain you know your operating system, your application settings, you know whatever um, you deem necessary for a, a kind of a, a gold image, if you will. Um, it also includes launch permissions. So what I mean by that is, are you the only one who can see? Um, the AMI and actually launch from it, or are you going to make it public? You know, so anybody in the world can do that, or you can actually share it with individual accounts, um, like specific accounts, either within your organization or friends or family or you know whatever what have you. Um, and then last is you know the block device mapping, basically the drive, right? That that the OS is going to be deployed upon for the instance. So, um, so again, as I said, AMI is really a template to create instances. Um, that's an EC2. You know, you also need an AMI to point to an AMI for uh, cloud formation and OpsWorks as well um, from an automation standpoint. So, um, and the ones in red, by the way, are kind of you know information I deem you know important for the exam. By the way, I know uh, some of the other presenters did that, so kind of um, kind of follow that here. But um, you know, AMIs are regional, so keep that in mind. So, a you know, if you deploy your own um, AMI. Um, in you know, say Northern Virginia, you know it's only going to be available in Northern Virginia unless you copy it to a separate region, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, and each AMI actually has a unique ID to it. So um, again, when you specify an, an AMI to launch, um, you can choose from either community AMI, which is a publicly shared um, template, basically, a private AMI, which is your own, right? You're the only ones who can see it. And then you can also choose an AMI from the AWS marketplace. So when you talk about things like this, you're looking at you know S5 load balancers or Cisco um, firewalls or you know any of those um, kind of third-party products that you would pay for, um, you know licensing either from from your um, vendor or you kind of you know pay as you go, you know by the hour there. So um, and the one thing I do like to mention here is because AMIs are regional. And each AMI has a unique ID. The IDs are also region specific. So, for example, the Amazon Linux AMI um, in Northern Virginia, you know, has an ID of you know 6869A05. But the same exact template, you know, in Oregon has a different you know AMI. So um, that's important when you're working with um, you know platforms such as like VRA. You know, when you're trying to you know, automate the deployment of um, instances, you know, from either an on-prem solution or something like that. You have to be sure that you're, you know, if you want to deploy in Northern Virginia, you need to use the AMI ID for the template in Northern Virginia. So just kind of keep that in mind. So kind of put down there. They're like the same, but they're kind of different here. <laughs> um, so keep on with uh, AMI here. Um, so you can really select it based upon you know, the region, again, you know, obviously the operating system was Windows, Linux, you know, what have you. Um, you know, obviously architecture, 32, 64-bit, 
um, launch permissions and storage, you know, and uh, on the storage piece, I kind of thought it was important just to call this out. I know this isn't necessarily a, a storage conversation, but kind of blends in with the, the machine images here, the differences between instant storage and um, EBS back storage. So just something to keep in mind that instant storage um, is ephemeral storage. So it does not persist beyond that instant. So if you, you shut that instance down, that data is gone forever. So uh, don't put anything important on there. A um, couple other stipulations with instant storage that I thought were important. So you can only attach instant storage um, during the launch of an instance. You cannot add instant storage after you've launched a virtual machine. Or, sorry, this is my VMware terms, after an instance. <laughs> um, because of that, you can't stop the instance. So you can only reboot it or terminate. Otherwise, you try to stop it, um, you know, you would obviously lose everything on the drive. So you can only reboot or terminate um, an instance running on instant storage. Um, and then, you know, because you can't stop it, that means you can't change instance attributes. So you can't stop it and say, hey, I want my T2 micro to be a T2 large anymore because obviously if you stop it, you're going to lose all the data. So um, just something to remember there. And you know, if the underlying host fails, you know, you will lose your data. You know, everything kind of goes back to being ephemeral storage at that point. Um, where, you know, completely opposite EBS back storage is persistent. Um, you know, total opposite of really instant storage. So you can add volumes after launch. You can uh, stop instances that are utilizing EBS back storage, um, typically faster. Uh, but something to remember is by default, and this could be a, an exam question, um, by default, the root volume is deleted when the instance is terminated, um, and that is an option that you change when you're launching the instance. Um, now, that is only only stands for the root volume. If you add additional volumes to an instance, by default, those are not deleted. Um, but by default, the root volume is is definitely deleted um, upon termination. So, um, so how do you configure? Um, you know, an AMI, now that we know what it is. So you kind of start with a base AMI. So you kind of go out to Amazon and say, hey, you know, I want to, we're a Windows shop. We're going to, you know, spin up a Windows Server 2012 server. Um, and then we're going to customize it from there. You know, very similar to what you would do from an on-prem solution, you know, like VMware, where you're creating a template that you're going to create, you know, multiple servers from that template. So, um, you know, from the base AMI, you launch an instance, just like you would on the VMware side. Um, and then, you know, you put your applications, you know, do your settings, copy any kind of data that you need over there, whether that's scripts or, you know, install, you know, PuTTY or Office or, you know, whatever you're going to do um, to this image. So at that point, you want to stop, um, stop the image, right? Because you want to make sure that you're going to get an application crash consistent um, image here. Um, so you want to kind of stop it at hammer time. <laughs> um, and then uh, I see from there. Once it's yeah, anytime I see stop, I always think hammer time. So, <laughs> um, so once you stop it, then you want it. You can basically you can right click it, uh, click the image, you know, from actions, and say create an image, um, and that'll create you know your image for you. So from there, the image um, you know is available for you, um, you know, to launch uh, future instances. And then from there, you know, you can obviously launch as many instances as you want. And then just keep in mind that when it, wherever you create that image, um, that's where you're going to, by default, launch images into. 
Now again, you can click that image and you can copy it to another region um, if you do need it in a separate region. So, um, so real quick, um, just some uh, nomenclature here versus AWS versus, v versus VMware. Uh, I thought that was kind of good to put it here. So, you know, an instance is kind of, you know, from a VMware's perspective, is equivalent to a virtual machine. AMI is a template. Instant storage is really like a non-persistent disk. EBS back storage is persistent disk. Snapshot is a snapshot. Um, and then launch instance is really the same as, you know, kind of a deploy from template there. So uh, from that, I'm going to quickly do into AWS and kind of show you um, how to do it here. So from the console, you know, we're going to EC2 here. Um, this is a shared ahead account. There is a bunch of stuff out here, but um, so to save a little time, you know, kind of created a um, deployed a Windows 2012 server here. You can kind of see that T2 micro, and sorry, you got a private IP and public IP. Um, you know, so for this, we can uh, we can launch into it. I think I hopefully this works, and I, I've got a sorry, I forgot to get the Windows password and copy it. My fault. Um, this is how you get the Windows password, by the way, in secret. All right. So now we are in that T2 micro instance here. Um, and for the fun of it, I, you know, for demonstration purposes, you know, I've got like Notepad++ Notepad plus or whatever. So, you know, we can install this on our instance um, for the fun of it, whenever finished. Okay, so now we have, you know, some kind of, um, you know, application installed on our server. So from here, we can shut it down. Um, you can do it from here. You can do it from the, the console. Um, Kind of wait for that to uh, shut down. It shouldn't take but a second. Find it. So it's stopping here. If I'm going too fast here, let me know. So, all it's stopping. Um, we can go to image. Let's pretend it stops. Um, so you can go to image here to create your template, you know, after you've created, you know, done all your settings and your copy all your data or whatever. So just basically you go up here and create image. Um, pops up, you want to call it, you know, call it whatever you want, V-Brown bag, demo, image description, awesomeness. Um, and you can say, so if it is running, you can tell, okay, don't reboot my, my um, instance, um, you know, when you're taking a snapshot. Obviously, it's it's better, you know, if you've let it reboot it itself, shut it down, take the snapshot. Um, and here you can actually resize the drive too. So you say, hey, you know, I deployed it with, you know, 10 gig, obviously that's not enough for Windows moving forward or uh, any any given purpose. Um, so you can, you know, say, hey, I want to do 40 or something like that. You can also change it, um, its volume type as well. So I'll say, yeah, I want to create the image. <clears throat> so. Image uh, request receive. And so from here, we'll look at the AMIs on your left here. And you can say it's you see it's creating it from from that uh, image or that instance that we did. So I did create one before, just to uh, save time. It took like five or ten minutes. Um, so I created one earlier. So from here, you can see that um, you can actually launch it you know, right from here. You can launch and it goes right into the uh, 
the launch instance wizard here um, with the uh, already we're already past the choose AMI right so or you can um, you actually grab the AMI ID right here if you want so that's your unique ID for that um, particular AMI and you can kind of go back to the um, you know the dashboard or here you can launch instance you can go to either my AMIs and you can see it right here um, here's the one I just created I don't know if it's done yet or not but and you can select it from here um, you can also just search so if you have a bunch of them you can search for the AMI or the name or whatever so obviously select that you're back to exactly where we were here and you can continue down the wizard and launch you know future um, instances from that individual uh, snapshot there or AMI so um, that's about it on that you know again AMIs in here you can see um, whether they're private or public so all these are private obviously if we want to make them public you can go in here and um, modify the image uh, permissions you can say public um, and also you can you know add particular account numbers so if, you know Chris had a account number you know that was his account number we say add permission and uh, now Chris would able be able to launch that same uh, AMI into his account sweet so kind of cool there yeah kind of sharing templates um, the one thing to know though on on the AMI so when you do when you do go um, to the regular launch here right so you have yours so these are your private you have the marketplace that I talked about before so you got you know Barracuda you got you know F5 and all this kind of stuff there's tons of stuff out here um, and then community AMIs are really the public ones right just something to keep in mind here is Amazon does not, you know, they don't necessarily scan these for security. They don't, they don't manage these at all. So it's entirely possible if I pick this guy right here, you know, it could have some kind of malware or keylogger or something like that on there. So for me personally, I would never select a community AMI unless I know exactly what it is or who shared, um, you know, by a friend or a colleague or something like that. But um, again, typical kind of thing, you know, you can limit it down to Amazon Linux and Windows and you know your architecture and all that kind of stuff here as well. So, but just something kind of to keep in mind there. So, let's go back to here. That's about it on the AMI stuff. Um, if you have any other questions? You know, let me know. Uh, I'll kind of stop there. See if there's any any questions on the board there. Um, a couple. Uh, how is licensing handled with the community AMIs? Uh, looks like there were some Windows servers there. Yeah, as far as I know, um, everything everything from community is it's not a bring your own license. Um, from my understanding, it's, you're still paying for that Microsoft license. Now there are there are options to bring your own license if you have like an ELA or something like that. And so your you know cost per you know hour is is cheaper um, since you're not paying for that Microsoft license. But for the community versions, that's that's the uh, one you you can't supply that. You can only do that for the ones that you're spinning up fresh from the uh, non-community templates. Um, you know, I, honestly, I don't know. I can I can definitely follow up on that. Um, I'm pretty sure it's pretty much it follows the same. You know, as if you were to choose, um, you know, one out of the quick start. You know, because all the quick start ones are basically community AMI. They're just ones that are managed by Amazon. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Uh, let me double check. Um, yep, that was it. We're good for questions. Okay, cool. So uh, kind of the next part was really, you know, operating 
uh, service management, you know, utilizing basically hybrid IT um, architecture. So I thought this was kind of interesting. Um, you know, people always talk about, you know, how they think they're going to lose their job to cloud, and you know, if their their company you know decides to go full AWS, then they're not going to be employed anymore. And you know, I, I think that's totally false, right? I mean, skill sets that you're learning, you know, in on your with your uh, you know on-prem data center, you know, are are absolutely relevant, you know, in a cloud world. Um, you know, networking is networking, right? In regardless if it's on-prem or if it's in AWS, right? A subnet and, and a slash 24 means the exact same thing in both sides, right? You still still need, you know, your relevant Windows skills. Your you know your storage skills may not be, you know, as detailed. You know, you're not provisioning LUNs and NFS and stuff like that. But um, but my you know my opinion, all those skill sets are, are totally relevant um, moving to a cloud world. So you just may need to really expand and kind of rethink your approach from you know a traditional um, deployment to something that you're going to do you know in the cloud. So so really kind of kind of where do you start? You know I mean it's it's kind of overwhelming. You can look at you know all the options and and stuff like that. So a lot of people you know like hey I you know want to move forward this cloud thing. I don't know really how to kind of get started. You know you have 13 regions, you know 35 AZs, you know 58 edge locations, and all these different you know, microservices and, um, you know, interactions, whether it's SDKs or command line or, you know, in a GUI or whatever. So, um, you know, we kind of, it's definitely a world of possibilities there, right? And you definitely understand it can be overwhelming if you're not familiar um, with Amazon kind of getting started. So, um, you know, from what we've seen from a customer side, um, you know, a lot of business units and application teams are already using it, right? And the infrastructure teams may not even know and organizations may have dozens of, you know, active billing accounts, and they don't even know, you know, shadow IT here. So, um, you know, it's got really a result of how easy it is to build on Amazon, where, you know, a lot of uh, development um, uh, staff really they don't want to wait, you know, on traditional infrastructure policies and procedures. They just, you know, they kind of want it now. So, um, so what we, you know, mean by hybrid is kind of get started here. With Kind of found, you know, build a critical foundation here. So, um, you know, really set your network up. You know, obviously it's going to be kind of the same as the on-prem, right? So you got to kind of get the plumbing phase in in place first before you can really start doing anything else. So, um, you know, there are obviously a lot of other options or a lot of options that we've talked about already. So, you know, a VPC, um, you know, you can extend that using VPN. You can do Direct Connect. Um, you know, and kind of once you do that, you want to start you know, extending your directory services or any kind of identity management, you know, into the cloud as well. Um, obviously, you want to be able to use IAM to set up, you know, all your accounts, whether that's, um, you know, you're using your Active Directory accounts, so you're federating from your AD and, and using utilizing that to log into AWS. Um, and then, you know, billing and management, how are you going to do that? You know, so it's really a a process to kind of, from an enterprise standpoint, to properly uh, kind of get that down. So, um, and then you know, definitely implement implement a centralized managing billing service. You know, so you're not you don't have you know accounts that are all getting billed to separate separate uh, you know company amexes, and you don't really know what's going on you know in the environment as a whole. So if you kind of do manage billing, consolidated billing, and you know, utilize tags properly so you know exactly where your cost and spend is going across the board. Um, and then from there, you know, start trying to utilize, you know, some of the um, 
uh, automation uh, tools out there, thought formation, you know, stuff like that for your standard VM. You know, if you have a particular uh, application, you know, that's pretty standard, it's a three-tier with a database server or whatever, you know, utilize cloud formation rather than, you know, doing it all that manually. You know, that, that's what the cloud is for, right? <laughs> or its purpose, public cloud is this is best set to automate everything so you're, you're removing a lot of the manual stuff, um, you know, and that's how you're kind of getting the, the go-to-market speed and stuff like that. Um, and then from there, kind of expand, you know, your on-premises automation, configuration management, and uh, controls, you know, out to AWS as well so you can manage everything properly. Um, you know, and then from there, you know, obviously you want to do a test run, you know, kind of find some low-hanging fruit, you know, applications that you can kind of test with, um, you know, utilize those to, you know, look at the performance, look at, you know, how you can um, improve, you know, deployment from that versus, uh, you know, doing it on-prem. And then, um, you know, obviously you want to, you know, extend all the benefits of the data center, you know, into AWS. So um, from what I've seen, you know, typically there's, you know, you get this group of, you know, kind of your, um, you know, your settlers, if you will, you know, that are your traditional IT guys. You get a couple guys over here that are, you know, really your pioneers. These are the guys that kind of want to move forward, you know, utilize the emerging technologies. And, um, you know, so, you know, so a lot of your, your other guys, like when you start, you start doing a lot of stuff, I mean, you definitely will pull in some guys, you know, from that other team. Now, you will have guys like this guy that <laughs> don't want to give up their stand and they don't want to give up their, uh, their Cisco CLI and stuff like that. But um, for the most part, you'll find that a lot of people, when they start using it, you know, they'll definitely want to move over to the cloud team and start utilizing a lot more. Um, this is what I've, what I've seen in the past. So really to, you know, kind of summarize that, you know, again, Work on the plumbing phase first. You know, obviously that's important. If you don't set a good ground um, groundwork, then you know you're going to fail. Um, you know, and then start playing around with more of the emerging technologies, you know, continuous integration, continuous deployment. You know, whether it's DevOps. Um, you know, start looking into cloud operations. You know, how does that tie into on-prem? Um, you know, obviously try to use a lot more of the public cloud services to make your job easier, right? I mean, you know, it's rather than you know deploy, you know, like. RabbitMQ or, your, you know, any kind of messaging services, you know, start utilizing those microservices like SQS and SES and, and all that just to make your life easier and really try to decouple the application from the individual um, instances to make your automation um, a piece easier as well. Then, you know, obviously use additional um, IIS and, and software to find networking here. So, um, so it's kind of a hybrid cloud kind of stuff. Um, any questions on, on that piece? Uh, no, no, no. That's good. All right. Um, so really the next topic here, looking at time here. All right, cool. Uh, computer compliance and private public cloud. And on this one, I didn't, I didn't want to get too, too deep because I know um, Anthony did a whole security module uh, last week. So I just, you know, really just want to touch on, um, you know, a couple things, um, you know, I thought were important here. So, you know, obviously you want to reduce manual interactions if possible. You know, the more human interactions you have, the more likelihood that you're going to have um, missteps, you know, whether that's a misconfigured security group, you know, you actually left it open to the world or something like that. So, you know, if you're using automation to deploy your, um, your infrastructure, then, you know, use automation to, 
to secure your uh, infrastructure as well where possible. So, um, you know, obviously you want to protect like any other workloads, you know, firewall permissions, you know, stopping their services, stuff like that. And, um, you know, it goes back to the whole cattle versus pets thing, right? I mean, if it's, you know, pets, and it's definitely, uh, you, know, you have to spend a lot more time on it, you know, you're put permanent, you know, solutions around like antivirus and stuff that you did for traditional um, workloads where you know, kind of your, your elastic servers may still require those those, um, those advanced security services, but you can maybe go a different way, you know, with those utilizing um, some of the services built into AWS. Um, again, as always, you know, practice of least privilege here, you know, especially in IAM, you know, avoid using a root account. So, you know, you definitely want to create a root account um, that set up MFA on that and then start creating IAM users um, for individuals and then obviously only give those individuals you know enough access to do what they need to do um, you know utilizing IAM roles you know versus saving credentials within a within an instance you know are a lot better um, that way if the instance is ever compromised you know your credentials are not you know held within that instance and then you know utilize the functions within AWS you know, especially security groups, um, put network ACLs on there, it gets a little messier using those or other use security groups, but, you know, ACLs from like an SD3 standpoint, you know, and obviously if you're using a domain, you know, you're going to go back to AD permissions, NTFS permissions, you know, whatever um, you, know, you use in the past is still going to work in the cloud, um, you know, especially from an automated perspective using, you know, all your tools. Um, you know, use the AWS tool. So make sure you use MFA for all your um, all your users. You know, and, and more importantly, you know, utilize like CloudTrail and and Config to, to monitor what's actually going on across the environment. You know, use Config to see who made changes and, and what changes they made, right? And um, use CloudTrail to enable that um, across every single region. You know, in AWS, in my opinion, you know, just because you're utilizing Northern Virginia. You know, it doesn't mean that you don't need to enable CloudTrail in Oregon because what happens if your account gets compromised and they start deploying stuff in Oregon? Uh, if you're not logging at the CloudTrail, you're not going to have, um, you know, any logs on that. So definitely um, enable that across the board, in my opinion. And then, you know, again, start using the AWS services rather than host them, you know, on EC2 instances. Um, you know, SMTP, use SES. You know, MSMQ, use SQ. Uh, SQS, stuff like that. Um, you know, from an S3 perspective, you know, use versioning. Make sure that, you know, if something gets inadvertently changed, you know, you have the ability to, to uh, revert back to a previous version um, and restore that data. And then make sure you're logging your requests and um, everything to, to a bucket in, in S3. Um, make sure that you're covered from that perspective. And then, you know, obviously encrypt all the things. So, you, you know, use Certificate Manager, um, you know, there you can you can do key key management. You can do create SSL keys. You can do uh, cert or certificates and all that. Um, you know, make sure you encrypt your EC2 volumes and S3 data and you know anything else that you're, you're utilizing. Um, you know, so so there's kind of you know saying it on AWS. You know, really AWS is responsible for the security of the cloud, and really the customer is responsible for security for what's in the cloud. So just kind of keep that in mind um, moving forward there. So um, configure IAM policies is really kind of the last piece, kind of going pretty quickly. 
Um, no, this is great. So, yeah. Any questions on the security piece or anything like that? Uh, let me double check. No questions there. Um, nope, nope. We're, we are we are good for good for questions, sir. Okay. Cool. All right. So really, the last piece of the um, you know this domain, like I said, it's kind of a in shorter one in my opinion because this is a you know an architect you know test, and this is really more about implementation. So um, it's really configure IAM policies and um, best practices. Apparently, I spell policies wrong. That's often. So um, so really, you know, a policy is a document that you know states one of the missions you know across the board for for AWS. So it's something to think about, you know, just because you have a user account in AWS um, doesn't necessarily mean you can do anything in there, right? I mean, same thing for like Active Directory. You mean I can create a user in AD, but if I'm not, I don't have any permissions, um, you know, obviously you can't do anything. You can't access, you know, shared file systems. You can't log into servers. You can't log into, you know, desktops or whatever. So uh, same thing here. You know, IAM policies are written in JSON. So, um, you know, really a basic policy um, is comprised of actions. You know, what what are you going to allow? You know, what resources are you going to apply to? You know, what are you going to allow the action on? And the effect, right? So that's obviously, you know, allow or deny. Um, you know, just something to keep in mind with IAM policies and IAM in general. Everything by default is um, implicitly denied, right? So if you don't have you don't have the the allow you know, it's going to be automatically denied, kind of like a, you know, a firewall top down, right? <laughs> if it's not explicitly allowed, that, that last uh, that last policy is going to be a deny, deny, <laughs> deny all of your stuff. So, uh, just something to remember there. So, you know, quick example of, you know, a um, IAM policies, you know, this one just allows you to list, um, you know, the contents in a very specific um, bucket here within S3, you know, so, um, Kind of next step, you know, how are policies made? Uh, this is kind of a dumb slide. I want <laughs> so this is not how policies are made. <laughs> um, nice. So kind of go through. It's pretty easy to do, really. I mean, you, there's three ways to do a um, to create a policy. You, know, you can utilize the AWS Policy Generator. Just more of a kind of a GUI, like you know, wizard type, walk you through um, how to create it. Um, you can select one of the AWS managed policies. Um, so that's like that's the default one on the right, right? Allow everything, allow the user to do everything on S3. Um, and the cool thing is you can take those AWS managed policies and then you can customize them to your needs, right? So I'll say allow S3 and I can put like the specific resource on there if I want. So you don't have to necessarily start from scratch if you don't want. Um, and then the last one I put, you got bring your own JSON, so you can you can say I want to do it, um, build it from scratch, basically. It just comes up with kind of like a notepad um, where you can just kind of start, you know, typing out JSON and uh, and write your own here. So um, how to do it? You know, from the AWS console, you go to IAM um, policies, and you know you create new here. So we'll kind of go through that real quick. So, on flow. So under um, identity access management, so on the left here we have policies, and then um, here you can create a policy, right? So you can say copy and manage policy, go through the policy generator, create your own policy. So 
example, if you create your own, it's a policy name description, and it just gives you kind of like a blank notepad to start typing here. Um, to uh, policy generator, select next. You got it. You know, obviously, there's your effect. There's a service so you can select from. You know, whatever you want. So say we're going to do workspaces. We're going to say I'm going to allow this guy to create a workspace um, and start a workspace, right? And then you can, um, you know, add a statement next, and then so you can actually see the JSON here. Create it, whatever you want. Uh, call it whatever you want. Workspaces, permissions, whatever you want to call it. You can validate it here, so um, I can't have spaces. Um, validate it. Okay, it'll tell you whether it's valid or not, whether the JSON um, is correct here. Then you just create the policy. So now you can assign these policies to users. You can assign them to uh, you know buckets or you know anything across um, AWS. And the last thing is here's here's all the managed policies. Um, you'll have your own here too, the ones that I created before, but. Now here's administrator access for everything. So this is basically the equivalent of a, you know, allow every every you know allow star star basically. So you, if you assign you know, this policy to a new user, they have you know administrative access to anything in AWS, um, anything in you know um, in here. So they can do basically anything across the board here. So uh, you want to be careful with that, you know, obviously. But um, you know if you're if you've got, uh, you know, you're trying to uh, practice, you know, least privilege, and you know, you've got a guy or you've got a, a role, really, um, or an account that you want to use for, you know, API access. You know, I only want to allow this guy to spin up, you know, instances, and he's never going to delete them or something like that. You can kind of go through your create your, you know, API policy, you know, if you will, and then assign that to the user. Um, and so now that user only has you know enough permissions to perform the job you need to perform, and nothing more than that. So something to keep in mind. Uh, two two quick questions. Um, yeah. The uh, if you use the generator to build a policy, can you hand edit it later? Um, yeah, you can. Okay. Uh, and the yeah, second question. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, so you can do it like right here. So you can. Um, when you go and you know, say, for example, next, you can actually go through and start typing here. Hmm. So you can edit it before you ever save here. So you can always, I mean, say, oh, I meant to do deny, you know, whatever. You can edit it before you before you um, validate it or create actually create your policy. Gotcha. Okay. And and the other question was, uh, do you? Do you find that the out-of-the-box policies are sufficient, or do you spend a lot of time creating custom policies? Um, I mean, it's really up to it's the use case, right? I mean, there are a ton of um, you know out-of-the-box ones. I mean, look, there's you know, 218 here, but right. Um, and remember, these are these are kind of generic, right? So this is saying allow full access to SES, um, and then you can. You know, you can um, you know apply this to a particular user or account or whatever. But if you even want to go deeper than that, you say I want to allow you know SES. But then you actually want to say I only want SES is probably a bad example, but um, like S3, you know, full access. You only you only want to say I want to allow everything in you know my bucket. Gotcha. My bucket number. One. You have to copy this one first, but 
you know, you could say resource my, only my bucket number one kind of deal. Then you can do that as well. So it's really, you know, it's per use case. Um, you can, you know, just use the out of the box ones. But remember, they're they're kind of generic, um, and they don't go down to you know your particular bucket, right? So if you want to say, um, you know, only allow permission to only delete, you know, out of bucket, you know, one, two, three, four, then you'd have to create. You know, take this policy, modify it to say only bucket one, two, three, four, create that, and then assign that to the user. Cool. Thank you. So you can definitely get away by using the default one, though, if, if you want it. Okay. Uh, was it for questions? All right. Cool. So um, I go back into this here. So really, uh, I think the last thing really is um, kind of best practices and, um, you know, really just, you know, kind of goes back to a lot of the stuff we kind of talked about already, right? Try to assign policies to groups of objects versus, you know, individual objects. It's kind of the old adage in, you know, AD, right? You're signing NTFS permissions. You know, utilize groups versus adding individuals there, right? It's easier to set up in the first place and it's easier to manage moving forward. Hmm. Um, you know, that way you don't have to remove, you know, individual objects or add it, you know, individual places. You, know, you add a add a user to a group or something like that, and they've got the proper permission. Um, you know, again, practice least privilege, and it kind of goes back to the last question, right? You know, just because, you know, Bob needs access to bucket A, you know, because he's in accounting and he deletes files, you know, after he's imported them, you know, do we really need to give him full-blown access to everything in S3? You know, should we create an item IAM policy and just restrict him to only delete, right? I mean, it's not necessarily about protecting your data, but, you know, what happens if he accidentally, you know, if, if he was creating stuff and he accidentally deleted something, you know, and he wasn't supposed to. So that's what kind of helps prevent, um, you know, outages and problems and, you know, data corruption and all that kind of stuff moving forward. Um, you know, as I said before, you know, use implicit versus explicit. So, you know, by default, you know, everything's deny, deny. So only allow the things that you really need to allow and only use explicit um, denies when, when you really need to. Um, and then you can also use, like, policy conditions, right? That's another piece of, of an IAM policy, a policy that you can utilize to, you know, really limit access or restrict, um, you know, for, like, elevated permissions. So say, for example, you've got, you know, a, a new junior admin you know, on the team, and he's pretty pretty new with uh, AWS. But you're going to say, hey, he's going to be the guy that kind of cleans up, you know, instances when, you know, an automation script doesn't do it or something like that. You know, um, you, know, you want to limit access to, um, you know, any account to be able to delete your data, right? So you can put a condition in the, in the IAM policy to say, um, you know, make sure that the user logged in that has permission you know, make sure he logged in using two-factor authentication so this account, you know, wasn't compromised or something like that. Um, and then you can also do things like limit access from IP ranges. So, you know, if you only allow, you know, access um, to Amazon, you know, from your corporate office or something like that, you know, limit it um, from those IP addresses. And you can do a lot of things, you know, date, time, and stuff like that. So, you know, only allow the deletion of an object from, you know, 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. or something like that, because it's when, um, you know, we drop off traffic and auto-scaling starts deleting things or, you know, whatever. Um, so you can kind of use that to kind of really limit access. Um, 
as well. So um, I think that's, that's really about it. I mean, like I said, I feel like it's a kind of a smaller domain. It's only really 10% of the whole uh, the whole blueprint here. But um, some of the links I thought were important, you know, Amazon recommends using SysPress. We're doing a Windows AMI. Um, it's very similar to what you're, if you were doing it on-prem, right? Uh, so there's kind of a link to walk you through that. Um, there's more of the policy elements. So how do you, what are all the elements that you can utilize within an IAM policy um, and how to use them, like the condition that I was just talking about, things like that. Um, there's some IAM limitations, including like the character limit for IAM policies. I mean, it's pretty high. It's like, um, you know, 2,000, you know, 4,000, stuff like that, characters within an IAM. And they, they don't count white space on that either. So, um, you know, I think back to the kind of more of a generalization, AWS certification guide that we talked about, the blueprint, and then just a link to kind of like our cloud delivery platform that we have here at Ahead. So um, really, that's, that's about it. Um, is there any other, other questions? Kind of hit the 45-minute mark here. I figured it would be a little shorter one than... <laughs> No, you you timed it perfectly, sir. Uh, let me double check the Twitters. Uh, no, we're good there, and we are good locally as well. Fantastic timing. Forty-five minutes on the nose. Great. Awesome. <laughs> good deal. Cool. Okay. Well, uh, thanks very much uh, for for covering uh, domain two with us. Definitely appreciate it. Um, and and I'll I'll hit you up afterwards uh, to talk about studying for the uh, SA Pro Cert. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Uh, thank you for having us on. You know, again, thank you guys for doing this series. It's been great so far. And, um, you know, I think it's going to help a lot of people that are studying for this uh, associate level, level 10. Very cool. Awesome. And I'm stopping right